Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Good morning, Valley Point Church. How are you doing today? Thanks for coming out this Memorial Day weekend. I appreciate that. And uh, my name is Gus Sereca. I am the executive pastor here at Valley Point Church. And I especially want to welcome all the first-time guests and visitors with us today. I've shared this story before that whenever Laurie and I go away for a weekend or for a vacation, we like to visit other churches. And so it was a little while ago that we were down in South Florida. We visited a fairly popular large church down there. And when we went in, we received our first-time gift bags, and we were excited about that. And uh, we went into the church, worshipped, and then they introduced the speaker, and it was the assistant pastor. And I turned to Laurie, and I said, I'm kind of disappointed that it's the assistant pastor. You know, we only come one time, and we don't get to hear the lead pastor. So I know how you feel today. <laughs> and of course, Laurie, in her kind way, leaned over to me and said, every time you speak at Valley Point, that's how everybody feels. But I have the privilege today of kicking off a brand new series here at Valley Point called Theology of Generosity. Theology of Generosity. It's basically a fancy title that says, what does God expect of us when it comes to generosity? What does he expect of us when it comes to generosity? This is going to be a three-week series. Eric will be back next week. And he'll have a guest with him. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a fabulous week. And then this series will end on June 10th. And during this series, we're going to look at a couple things. Answer some questions. What is the culture of giving at Valley Point Church? What does it look like to live a lifestyle of generosity as an individual and as a faith community? We'll answer a few of these questions before, but before I get started, I would like to make sure that we agree on some things. Can we agree on some things before I get started? The, third, the first thing that we should agree on, and everyone in the, in the room should agree, and everyone watching on Facebook Live should agree, that no one dislikes money. You agree? We all need money. We all like money. More than, more than likely, we all would like a little more money, right? We can agree on that. The second thing is no one thinks generosity is bad, right? Generosity is a good thing. It's inspiring. It's motivating. It's refreshing. Generosity is a good thing. And then finally, no one in the room, including myself, likes to talk about money in church. Can we agree on that? Come on. We know that's true. As soon as you saw that title, you felt a little uncomfortable. I saw some of you squirming in your chairs. Of course, you may have been squirming because it was the executive pastor speaking and not the real guy. But we all feel a little uncomfortable when we talk about money in church. Pastor, you could tell me to be kind to my neighbor, but don't 
tell me how to spend my money. That's kind of how we feel sometimes, right? Now, I was thinking about this. I think there's two primary reasons we don't like to talk about money in church or generosity in church. And I think the, the first reason is because when you're talking about money, it's personal. It's personal. All of us as individuals are fairly private and guarded when it comes to our money and our finances and our resources. I find myself even talking to some family and friends one-on-one. I don't like to share too much about what God's doing in my life when it comes to money. It's just awkward for us. It's uncomfortable. We're very private. We're very guarded when it comes to money. That's one of the reasons. And I think the second reason is this. It makes the church feel like it's about business. It makes it seem like the church is about business. All we care about is money. (laughs) All we care about is profits. You know, when you talk about business in the secular world, that's what it's about. It's about profits. It's about the bottom line. And so when the church sounds like a business, it doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel very good. It's natural. It's natural. It's just the way it is. But I think because I am not the lead pastor, I'm the executive pastor, because I don't stand up here very often. As a matter of fact, I sit more where you're sitting than I ever stand up here. I'm a co-attender with you. I'm a co-member with you. I'm one of you. I think I do have a chance to be a little more frank with you, maybe, a little more honest with you, and I'm just going to speak to you from my heart and from God's word and share some things with you. Because the truth is this. This is a business, and it is personal. Valley Point Church is in the business of pointing people to a real personal relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. And you can jot that down. We are in the business of pointing people to a real personal relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. And it takes money. It takes money to have a facility like this. It takes money to have free coffee every morning. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It takes money to have quality individuals running different ministries for us. Don't we have a fantastic children's ministry and a fantastic student ministry? Don't we have a fantastic band and worship team? It takes money to do those things. It takes money. But here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our money. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. He doesn't need it. But God wants to give us the opportunity to be a blessing, to be a blessing. Let me ask you this question. Why wouldn't I, who benefits from this ministry, 
Why wouldn't I, whose, whose family, whose loved ones, whose friends, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I want to invest in this business of pointing people to a real personal relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ? It changes lives. It changes lives. I think, I think we should. I think we should. You know, as much as we don't like to talk about money in church, Jesus happened to talk about money a lot in Scripture. And I think God kind of knew that we were going to struggle with generosity in our lives and this journey of our Christian walk that we are on. I think he knew that we were going to struggle because it's one of the most talked about topics in all of Scripture. I want to share some facts with you, if you don't mind. In the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the life of Jesus, 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. An amazing one out of every 10 verses, 288 in all, deals directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. You see, God knew. God knew that this was going to be tough for us. Because when it comes to generosity, when it comes to our possessions, when it comes to our wallets, it's one of the last things that we as believers surrender to him it truly is it's tough it's tough peter grandich he's the author of confessions of a wall street whiz kid in a prepared statement he said this money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the bible Grandich, who says his years as a highly successful Wall Street stockbroker left him spiritually depleted and clinically depressed, says the Bible is an excellent financial advisor whether you are religious or not. And his number one most important biblical rule of finance, God owns everything. You may have bought that house, but he gave you the money to buy it, so he owns it. That's our big idea today. Our big idea is this. Because God owns everything, I can hold what he has given to me with open hands and share generously. This truth, this principle in Scripture that God owns everything, this is a tough principle. But this principle, once we start to embrace it, once we start to apply it to our lives, once we start to recognize that it's absolutely true, it changes us. It changes our perspective on who God is. It changes our perspective on who we are. It changes our perspective on our place in this world when we realize that God owns everything. We go from being the center of the world to being only managers and stewards to everything that God has given to us. It changes everything for us. Our attitude and our perspective 
on God and us and everyone around us. This is a crucial principle, and that's our big idea for today. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. If you have your Bible or device, we'll put the, the verses up on the screen. But this is in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It is the end of King David's life. And he has gathered the nation of Israel around him. Now, David was king of Israel for 40 years. And he's gathering the nation around him, and he's passing the baton from his reign as king to his son Solomon's reign. And he's reflecting on his life. And he's praying to God in this passage of Scripture. We're going to start in chapter 29 in verse 10. And he says this, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel. Israel is the name that God gave to Jacob, he says. May you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. O our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. David understood that God owned everything, and that everything that David had was a gift from God was a gift from God. Now listen, all of us as believers in Christ are on a journey. We are walking through this life and we're trying to be the best that God wants us to be. And for us to truly grasp this principle that God owns everything, you have to experience life a little bit. You truly do. David experienced life. He was at the end of his life, and he realized and he knew without a shadow of a doubt that God owned it all, and everything he had was a gift. So if you're sitting here today, and you're starting to doubt this principle, that's fine. That's okay. There's no problem with that. But let's see what God has to say. And out of this passage of Scripture... I want to give us three thinking points, three things that I believe that will help us to embrace this principle. They're like spiritual exercises. If you do these exercises every day, it's going to help you apply this truth to your life. The first principle is this. Reflect on God's gift to you. Reflect on God's gifts to you everything that we have is a gift from God everything that we have David mentioned a few things verse 12 wealth honor power might greatness strength he mentions all these things very specific 
And as you reflect on what God has given to you, as you do this exercise, be specific and think about the gift that God has given to you. Are you a skilled person? It's a gift. Do you have a job? It's a gift. Do you have eyesight? It's a gift. Everything that we have. Do you have a family? It's a gift. It's a gift of God. God has given us so much as gifts. Were you born in America? It's a gift. I've had the opportunity to travel with our compassion teams to different countries, to the DR, to Guatemala, Russia, China, villages, children just born there. It's a gift to be born in America. It's a gift. It's a gift that we have the freedom that we have. It's a gift that men and women have chosen to sacrifice their lives for our freedom. Everything that you can think of is a gift. And of course, the biggest sacrifice ever made for us was God sending his son, his only begotten son, to die on the cross so that we can have eternal life. It's a gift. It's a gift. The Bible tells us it's a gift. The first step to believing that God owns everything is realizing that everything that we have is a gift from him. Reflect on that. It's the first step to a generous heart. Number two is this. Remind yourself of God's promises regarding generosity. You know, in Scripture, there's over 5,000 promises in Scripture. And so many of these promises that God has given to us is about our possessions. It's about generosity. It's about money. It's about those things, these promises. I'm going to give you three promises. They're a little bit long, but that's okay. We got nothing to do today. It's raining outside. These are fantastic promises. I want to look at the first one. Second Corinthians Chapter 9, starting in verse 6. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And this is what he says to the Corinthians. Remember this. Remind yourself. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your hearts how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. That's a promise. God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor their good deeds will be remembered forever, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase our resources 
and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. In you. That's a great promise. God will generously provide all that you need. All that you need. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it says this. This is Paul writing a letter to the Philippian church, and he says, At the moment I have all I need and more, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. So Paul was a missionary. Paul traveled all around the world spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul did that with support from other believers, from other churches. Valley Point Church does the same thing. We have eight or nine missionaries all over the world. We give them support. We send them money every month. Debbie Barnum, Buddy Thigpen in Russia, Chuck Ward from Manna, because of your generosity, because of the gifts that you give to the church, we're able to support missionaries all around the world. And this is exactly what was happening. And the gifts that the Philippians sent Paul, this is what he's talking about. And he goes on to say this. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God, he tells the Philippians. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. The promise, he will supply all your needs from his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There's a story, a little story about a, a mom who takes her son into the, into the candy store. And she goes in and she's shopping and she's buying some things. And she goes up to the counter and the kind store clerk behind the counter gets this jar of candy and points it to the little boy and says, here, take a handful of candy. And the little boy just stands there. And the clerk says, go ahead, you take a handful of candy. And finally, he just takes a step, step back and does nothing. So the clerk realizes, well, maybe he's shy. So he reaches in, grabs a handful of candy, and gives it to the boy. And after the mom's done there at the counter, and they walk outside, and she says to her son, why, why wouldn't you take any candy? You're not shy about candy. And the little boy says, well, I knew his hand was much bigger than my hand. And, you know, it, it's, it's true because that's how God is. We think we need to hold on to things and, and, and we need to protect things. But when we give it to God, when we surrender it to God, his hand is so much bigger than our hand, so much bigger. Here's the third promise, Matthew 6, 31 to 33. So don't worry about these things. This is Matthew writing in the Gospels. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Now here's the promise in 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Three great promises on generosity. We can stand on these promises. We can claim these promises. We need to remind ourselves of God's promises of generosity every day. Every day. He gives us these. 
God doesn't need our money. God is looking for us. He's looking for believers. He's looking for me and you to say to him, God, use me. God, I surrender all. God, I'm ready to be a conduit of your blessing to others. I want to be a funnel of blessing to others. That's what God is looking for. That's what God is looking for. He wants us to learn and grow in our spiritual walk. And until we get over this hurdle about generosity, we're going to keep hitting a wall in our spiritual growth. And here's the third exercise. Respond. Respond with generosity. Respond with generosity. Even if you don't fully believe this truth that God owns it all and everything you have is a gift from him, even if you don't believe that truth, begin to respond with generosity and see what God does. Test God. Test the waters of giving and see what God does. Even if you're not in a financial position, begin to give a portion. Give generously and see what God does. See what God does. just want to share with you a little bit of my experience when it comes to generosity. I became a Christ follower at a young age, 21 years old. And when Lori and I were living our lives at a young age, and as time went by, we were not generous. We were not generous. And we were not poor, but we were not rich. Laurie was at home raising our four kids, and I had a job, you know, it was a seven to three kind of job, and life wasn't easy. And there was times, there was actually two years, I'll share this with you, that we had no heater in our house because we couldn't afford to get it fixed. And you could talk to my kids about how we heated the house, but we, that's how it was for us. It was not easy. But God began to speak to our hearts about generosity. And he began to speak to our hearts about whatever we have, giving a percentage back to him. And so we began doing that. And I will tell you this, as you could tell, I'm a little bit older than most of you in the room today. And I can tell you this, that God has always been faithful to Laurie and I. And every one of those promises came true for us. He met every one of our needs all the time. All the time. And I can't tell you the blessings. There's so many blessings that God has given to us as a couple, married couple, as a believers in Christ, trying to follow him as best we can. We tested that war the waters of generosity. And God is faithful. God is faithful. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning. We want to thank you for all that you've done for us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would 
continue to speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would reflect on your gifts. I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of the promises that you give in Scripture. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would be a funnel, a conduit of generosity. Lord, strengthen our walk, strengthen our faith. Maybe, may each and every one of us rely on you and on your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. So as a church, over this next three weeks, the series, Theology of Generosity, we're going to have a special offering. And Eric has put together a video that explains it. So check this out. Summer days are quickly approaching. Schedules adjust. We tend to have a few additional moments where the pace slows so that we can enjoy life as well as family and friends. Here at Valley Point Church, we're excited about the days in front of us. I want to thank you for being part of Valley Point. I love our church. We're having fun as we follow God's direction. I want to present a special offering challenge that begins today, May 27th, and ends on Sunday, June 10th. This three-week special offering will coincide with our Theology of Generosity series. I want to do more than just talk about generosity. I want to provide a way for us to be generous. So what's the special offering? Well, there's two parts, two targets. The first target is the benevolence ministry of Valley Point. We budget every year and prepare to help people walking through challenging times and need the church. We want to be ready to provide support, whether it's counseling services, help with a bill during financial stress, or food assistance. As a church, we've grown 30% since moving into our new home. That's fantastic because it has brought new opportunities to help people God has brought to us. We want to be able to quickly respond to needs with generosity. Part of the special offering will go towards helping Valley Point be benevolent and respond to needs in our communities and in our church. The second target for the special offering is for Haiti 2019. Next year, Valley Point will have the opportunity to send a team to Haiti. Why Haiti? Well, even before the earthquake hit, 1.9 million people were in need of food assistance. Around 60% of the population lives on less than a dollar a day. Haiti is one of the poorest countries in the world with a poverty rate of 77%. There is a large population of orphaned children in Haiti, many of whom are living on the streets. There were an estimated 380,000 orphans prior to the earthquake, and untold thousands added to that number after it. There are also about 250,000 working as servants and often treated as slaves. Haiti needs the hope of Jesus. Here's the good news. There is hope because the church exists. About one hour outside of Port-au-Prince is a city called Léogon. 
Laogon is known as the voodoo capital of Haiti with over 30 voodoo temples. But there is a church. Our team will go in 2019 and partner with Mana Worldwide to help build that church a home. Part of our special offering will also help pay for a portion of that church. How humbling to think that we got to be part of constructing a church home in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. And now we can be part of constructing a church home through our generosity in one of the poorest countries in the world. Here's the goal. Over the next three weeks for this special offering, I want to see Valley Point raise $15,000 for benevolence and for Haiti 2019. I want you to know this. Even if we exceed our goal, we use it for these two targets. You can give online or you can give at Valley Point Church. You will need to designate your giving as special offering online, and there's a place for you to do that, or in the memo section of your check. I want to remind you that this should be above and beyond your regular giving to Valley Point. Think, pray, and choose to give out of what God's already given to you to share with his work through Valley Point Church. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.